the best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. All right, so um, coming up in a little bit, we're going to be talking about in- inclusivity and diversity in the work play- in the workspace or the workforce with uh, Miss Sharona Samaru and. Uh, I mean, she's a seasoned strategic leader and entrepreneur in offshore manpower, supply and business management. She has over 10 years combined progressive regional and international experience in business growth and management, oil and gas recruitment, local content development, planning and competency mapping in the energy sector of course miss samaru completed a master's of science and postgraduate degree at the university of the west indies in human resource management and graduated with distinction after specializing in competency based recruitment all right and there's much more to her accolades but i want to get into that discussion really quickly as we are very limited for time more or less um this would have started at 2 30 1 30 well we can see what we can do. All right. So let me take a minute and say welcome to Miss uh, Sarona Samaru. Good afternoon. Good afternoon and thank you for having me. Well, I thank you for making the time and come down <laughs> here. You know, you look so young. Thank you. With all these accolades <laughs> holding down here. I mean, how many years you have taken to study these various things? Yesterday I was talking to a doctor and they said it's about seven to eight years to become a doctor. I'm like, yo. Yeah, yeah. You had to start a lot when of you, studying. When you're, when you're 18, you had to dive out to uh, uh, secondary school and head straight to med school, um, whichever campus you're on. So, welcome to the studios of Freedom 106.5 FM. My name is Davey Murray, and of course, we're chatting on these issues here relating to the workforce and diversity in the workspace. Let's basically have you explain what that means before yeah. we go forward. I think uh, in the modern world, diversity, equity, and inclusion are taking the forefront as companies modernize their policies and because of the changes worldwide where we want to have more inclusion of different races, different religions, different ethnicities in the workplace, different sex and genders as well because sometimes you have industries that are male dominated and you want to have inclusion of different persons there through experiential learning, uh, through cultural competence and to ensure that everyone doesn't just have a seat at the table but a voice at the table. Well, you know, it's very good that you made, that you mentioned that um, the sexes being included in, in, in what is known as a perhaps a, a male-dominated environment. Now, could it be said that because of this dominance in the males is the fact that they lead the manpower? I'm just saying, eh? I'm just saying. I'm not saying that women can't lift heavy things, but I'm just saying maybe that's one of the reasons why some of these areas are male-dominated. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, definitely. De- depending on the nature of the job, obviously, you would have your criteria of the person's physical attributes and mm-hmm. what you need. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the, the whole point of the diversity and inclusion and policies being drafted there is to allow more conversations to happen, to collaborate with companies so that they can have other areas in which we can have more opportunities for other persons to be able to get the opportunity to excel as well. I mean, I, I, am, I am very happy when I see a, a, a woman bus driver. <laughs> I am very happy when I see a woman pulling a a sealand container and driving it. I am very pleased when I see female pilots. You know, um, me being a pilot myself, I'm very pleased when I see these things. I don't have my commercial license. I'm going for it though. But I am very. Oh, of course. I (laughs) take some time off from radio, take a four months, and I go and get it. But I'm very pleased when I when I'm on flight and I see I I listen over and I realize a female is captain and being captain on the aircraft or maybe a first officer. I'm always happy to see these things and know these things. So I I no doubt have no problems with the females, women on a whole, joining any workforce. I think it's it's great. 
Yeah, and it's not just about females, right? it's different races and ethnicities as well. Uh, we live in a melting pot society, there are multiple races, ethnicities, and we want to ensure that companies are guided on having that balance in the, the composition of their workforce. Well then, um, if that's the case, how do we how do we get um, these dinosauric changes to happen? Because you're talking yeah. about age, um, uh, centuries old, um, embedded in terms of employment with employers, persons who own companies, they seem to, I mean, in the U.S. is the whites and the blacks, in Trinidad is the Indians and the Negroes, and it, the list goes on. It can go on all over, you know, the racial. How do you, what are your perspective on that, and how do you plan to help break those barriers, pull down yeah, the wall? And, and that's a good question. Uh, definitely, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take extensive collaboration and, and conversation with key mm -hmm. stakeholders in the private and public sectors. Um, but the key to understand is diversity can be mandated by a company, mm -hmm. but inclusion has to be cultivated by the company. And this is where guidelines needs to happen so that these policy persons in these companies, whether it's the HR professionals mm -hmm. or the legal minds who are drafting these policies in the companies, they need to have guidelines on how they can foster or facilitate more diversity and inclusion to take place where diversity should not just be about numbers or it should not just be about a 12 by 14 poster based mm -hmm. on different color races. Mm -hmm. It should not be just because we have to uh, satisfy this mandate that we hire three women or that we hire three persons of different races. That's, that's the point. Um, Thank you for cultivating yeah. mm -hmm. inclusion as well. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. like I said, diversity gets you to the table, but inclusion ensures that you have a voice at the table and that you are taken seriously with the contribution you make to companies. And I think through diversity training is how we can start shifting the narrative in getting that incorporated in organizations. Um, having people more self-aware, having the cultural competence training where persons, sometimes people are biased without even knowing it because they may be biased to people who look like them or speak like them. Mm -hmm, and that mm -hmm. may happen in interviews where they may not even know that they are being biased. Yeah. Uh, so through training and having them aware of the cultural competence, hearing the experiences from different people through the experiential learning is where I think we can facilitate more effective collaboration and action related to incorporating diversity and inclusion in the workplace. You know, I'm happy that you're into, into HR and VP and, um, and that kind of thing. I have another question, but before I go that, I, um, I want to get your journey. You know, I want persons to understand who you are and where you have, uh, where you came from and where you're at, at at present. All right? So let's talk a little bit about your journey as VP of El Dorado Offshore. Yeah, um, I started off uh, in the public sector, actually, at the age of 20. And then I shifted into the private sector when I got a job opportunity uh, in a manpower recruitment company um, in the energy sector. Mm -hmm. And that was basically my stomping ground where I learned the tricks of the trade. And even though I'm no longer with that company, I always am grateful for the bridges that I've crossed. And it's something I try to tell my students who I lecture you know, a lot of people like to burn bridges when they resign from a company or they leave. But sometimes those very bridges are what gets you across to where you need to be. And um, my experience there has taught me how to run a business in the manpower sector in, in the energy industry. And here I am at Eldorado Offshore, where when I inherited the company, we just had about two employees in Trinidad. And we didn't have a united team regionally. And I really focused on using the time when we were losing bids and contracts and i didn't allow it to get to me or my team i think what really uh connects the success of a person to the vision they want to achieve for the company is what you do in your downtime and what i did any time when we were losing bids and contracts is what mattered the most to where the company is now where uh we were able to 
align our people processes and technology, build competitive commercial frameworks. I used the time when we were losing to really create mm. the winning proposals, to create the winning strategy. And um, here we are now, uh, we are the dominant manpower uh, company in the Caribbean. We are also one of the first manpower companies to win a global contract in the energy sector in North America. And um, from two employees, we provide over 750 contractors regionally in the offshore sector. Um, we have uh, all eight rigs in the Caribbean we provide labor for. And it's an accomplishment that is not easy to achieve. I mean, even though I, I always say my team makes it look easy, um, but it's not easy at all. You have um, different negotiations to happen. Obviously, you have to ensure you have the capability and resources to manage those contracts because it could be pretty technical. And um, because of that growth, uh, I was able to to gain international accolades where, you know, even I was surprised that magazines uh, in Houston and, and the USA, other parts of the USA, people were reaching out to do interviews with me to hear that story and to hear that style of leadership. Um, actually, a, a business lecturer at UE Mona's campus is actually going to be writing a book to incorporate um, that style of leadership that I've exhibited because she said it's something new and modern that she's seeing that um, People are not just following theoretical leadership. It's about servant leadership. It's about serving your team. It's about knowing that your team doesn't work for you, you work for them, and using your mentorship and guidance to really empower them. And I always tell people, from my experience with Eldorado Offshore, um, if you really want to maximize your potential and achieve success, utilize the time when you feel most down. Run towards the uncomfortable situations, and when you learn to maximize key touch points of yourselves as well as your business, you are able to align that people, process, and technology to bring everything together and to achieve the success beyond worlds for your company. Listen, man, I am so proud of you. I mean, <laughs> taking up to the vice presidency and because it's VP, right? Yes. I, and I mean, you're doing phenomenally well. You said something just now that um, that stood out for me because it's something I've always told individuals. A manager don't necessarily need to know. And I want to repeat this for all my listening audience. A manager, supervisor, don't necessarily need to know what is happening on the line or how to work the line. Their job is to empower and motivate staff to meet mandates and targets. Yeah. Have I said anything that is wrong? So Correct. then it leads me to my next question. How do you empower your um, employees currently under you to motivate them to continue to, to reach those markets, those targets? Yeah, and I think uh, the only thing that correlates to success is about being able to hire people of similar values and attitudes. And to be able to empower and motivate them, you first have to be able to know your business inside out, to be mm. an expert in it. Mm -hmm. You can't fill somebody else's bucket if your bucket is not full. Right. And that empowerment and motivation comes from being able to understand their training needs. Everybody has different learning curves. Everybody has different learning methods. Some persons, for example, may be able to read a document and know exactly what procedures to follow to execute a job. Some people may need a video to help them. Some people may need, need, need you to talk to them or to be able to guide them by showing them on the job what exactly to do. So once you understand people's needs and people's personalities, it becomes easier to manage them and to really empower them on what drives their growth. Then here's my follow-up question. When you are in the position of leadership, um, manager, supervisor, VP, EVP, what have you, how best is it when you are on the line with them, if an employee can't make it to work and you f fill in for the day for that employee, how important is that for the other employees and co-workers to see you there on the grind with them? What yeah. does that do for them? 
Yeah, and I think, you know, one statement that sums it up, I think I did an interview sometime with a media house and they asked me how is it that all of those 700 employees could know me and even though I may be so busy with other things and I should be busy doing those things for the company. They should know who I am if I'm running the company. And I always tell people, before you know me as Sorona, the vice president, you have to know me as Sorona, the person. And it doesn't matter if persons are absent or if they can't do their job. If I cannot do everybody's job in the company, then I shouldn't be leading the company. Mm. But then, that, that is <laughs> you make me laugh with that one, eh? Because... <laughs> Often or not, we have persons that are in positions uh, from a theoretical perspective, meaning I learned to be a manager. I went to school. I have a degree in business management. That's what I have a degree in. But put them to sit down behind this board and execute an interview or even empower the nation, the listeners. That is beyond them. They can't do that. So it's very, very funny that you said that. So then let's ask you the question. How often do you get VPs? Or persons in high office understanding the various aspects that if need be they can sit in that seat and show a new employee what needs to be done and then move on yeah and it, it takes that servant leadership mentality mm-hmm. i think um some leaders basically think that once they've reached that level in a company that everyone has to serve them and some tasks are beyond them i see it the other way around where through that servant leadership I see myself as having to serve those those team members. And if I feel at empowering them or serving them through mentorship or showing them how to do the job, then I feel as a leader. Mm. And I think, so uh, just mm-hmm. to add, um, one uh, story I would have shared with my team uh, last week, we were talking about aligning on vision. And I said, if you all don't know what my vision is for Eldorado Offshore, then you all would not know what you are working towards. It should not be I alone knowing the vision. So I gave them a story and I said, uh, this story was shared with me by one of my customers as well in the US. And when the United States of America was preparing to get the first man to the moon, NASA had interviews with the president. I think it was uh, John F. Kennedy at the time. Yes, it was. And he went into NASA and he met every employee at NASA from the receptionist to the CEO, whoever else was at the top board. And on the elevator coming back down, he met the janitor and he said, well, what do you do? I didn't see you upstairs with everyone else. And she looked at him and she said, well, my job is to support in getting the next man from America on the moon. And that shows the alignment of vision, where regardless of which ladder or which stage of the ladder you are in a company, you align with the vision. So NASA's leadership knew that regardless of whichever position persons were, they knew what they were working towards. No job was belittled. No job was felt that it was beyond the leader. Everybody had a part to contribute to what the greater vision is. And that is the true essence of really exponentially scaling a business like we've done. I think it's about really getting all the moving parts to move in the same direction by really aligning your people, processes, and technology. I have two questions for you as we continue here. Um, One thing, you talk about the janitor. Now, the the thing is, time and time again, we overlook the positions of these persons in our workforce. We don't see it as important because why? They don't have a degree like you do. But this janitor was able to understand the vision here is to get the man on the moon. What is my position as a janitor? Keep these floors uh, clean, keep these trash uh, bins empty so that they can focus. Everybody aligns with one common vision and goal for the company. My question to you is, how have you been able to integrate what we, what 
you know as a Trinidadian dealing with our culture as opposed to going to Suriname um, to the USA and dealing with employees of a different culture yeah it's about getting everybody to sing from the same song sheet mm. and the most common way to do that is by a common vision mm-hmm. if it is that I have a different vision in Trinidad, Felderad, Offshore, and what I have in the U.S., and people are going to be confused. So it's about really streamlining the vision as a leader for what you want your people to follow and to execute. And I know earlier, just to touch on that point you raised about people having degrees and not being able to execute in the work. We have a lot of cases like that right now, especially with the changes in workforce generation where we see Gen Zs uh, coming into the workforce. Uh, new millennials have been there mm-hmm. and they have a, a new method of working. They have new ways of working. They want to come to work with headphones in their ears. They want to come to work um, casually with flexible dressed. hours, yeah. casually dressed. And that's fine once you can get the work done. But it's about really using experiential learning to guide and train them because what you can use from your the experience you can gain from things you did before or the knowledge or the skills you can gain from your experiences far surpass what you can learn in a university degree or diploma not discounting a university degree or diploma i respect that process it needs to happen but what is going to help you shift from being the brightest person in the class to being the most brilliant leader in the organization or the most brilliant person in the organization is by coupling your academic training with that experiential learning to really maximize emotional intelligence. EQ is the new IQ and really learn from your experiences to learn how to converse, how how to manage with conflicts, how to deal with different personalities, how to solve problems on the spot, how to be innovative, how to be pivoting and adapting through different situations and that experiential learning is what gives you a cut above the rest well let me tell you why i asked that question right right here in trinidad and tobago uh there's something (laughs) no it's it's good i mean i i am sitting here and i mean this is the the vp the vice president of Colorado offshore and you know you're supposed to be nervous because you're talking to the vp (laughs) but i'm not i'm actually you're actually very comfortable to chat with i appreciate that i am i am you're down to earth I appreciate hearing that. Yeah, but eat bread and condensed milk? All the time. No, nah, man. <laughs> but then is a real trini. I had to ask you. My I grandmother never had used to make that. My maternal grandmother used to make that for me when I was a child. I would run into her kitchen. And I need some bread and condensed bread milk. Bread and condensed milk is waiting on me. Lord, I have never had it. I've been encouraged to have it. I've never had it. But kudos to you. Yeah. <laughs> my VP here. I've had. Is it a comfort food for you, by the way? It is, it ah, is. Well, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> Wherever you're going in the world, don't forget of your course, bread and condensed milk is a trainee thing. So then we, as we continue our dialogue here, I mean, the conversation is riveting, is really good. And the reason why I ask you about the diploma and talk about the degrees and stuff like that, there is this gentleman I know that works for a local company here. Uh, today, he's a quali- I wouldn't say qualified, but he's one of the best plumbers in the organization. And he went in there as a janitor. You know, he was just one of the fields men cutting bush and that kind of thing. Today, he's the go-to guy, one of the go-to men for plumbing. So anything plumbing-wise, he's not even an apprentice. He has someone coming with him to hand him stuff. I asked him the other day, I said, did you go and get a plumbing school and stuff? And He never did because to go through academics is not in him. But guess what? The training, the -the on-the-job training, being there, as you put it, the EQ, the experimental, that that worked for him. And today, he's in the plumbing department. They are paying him, but he's not. If you ask him if he have a degree or certificate in plumbing, he doesn't. But put him in a room and tell him you want a pipe and a sink in this room here, and he would find the, the, the best place to put it where the water can run out without causing any problems. 
And I, I praise him for that. And I told him, I said, listen, one day, I wonder to myself if I give him good advice. You should go and get that degree, get that paper, work to show that you know you're a qualified plumber. You should look at it. Even if you're doing it online, do it. However, I respect his opinion that he it's not for him. Book it, but put him in the room. Yeah. And I mean, I'm telling you, the man is good. So here's my question. When when um what should a a, a, a HR consultant or management look at in terms of hiring individuals who may be qualified they may get the job done because i just always tell people license or drive car all a license does is give you permission to legally use the road yeah. but it's not a, it's, that doesn't drive the car experience is what does because if i give a person gabby goes out now and she gets a license and i put her behind the wheel and a situation confronts her she may not know what to do because she just she's green she just get the license but the experience does but Take Jordan. Jordan do have a license, but Jordan pay him in the car. Jordan was in the, in the in the shop fixing car with his father since he was twelve. He pushing truck and trailer, but he's he do have the qualifications. How do we look at that in the hiring process with person? Do we give them a chance to see, or, yeah. or are we just looking for the diplomas and degrees and and certified persons? Yeah, and I think that there's nothing wrong with looking at the diplomas and degrees, right? It's a foundation skill needed mm -hmm. for the criteria to be met for certain jobs. So right. in job ads, you will see you need a degree, you need a diploma. That ensures the person has uh, the academic capability to train uh, to train others or to be trained. Um, but what I've done in my team is we've implemented a system where we call it a wildcard candidate. And uh. what that wildcard candidate system does is even though we may have a criteria where we need persons with a certain degree or diploma, we always select at least three candidates who do not have any qualifications related to the job we are asking them to qualify for. And in those wildcard candidates, I think we've hired quite a few. I was probably a wildcard candidate <laughs> when I got my job in the energy sector with uh -huh. the company I told you about. Right. Um, because I, was, I never worked in the energy sector before, but they took a chance on me and here I am. Um, but... I think that wildcard candidate system, it gives others a chance where they would not have a chance before. You create that opportunity for them. Wow. And it's about really finding innovative ways to create that opportunity. Uh, because sometimes you will follow step by step from a book or from a procedure. But if you don't have the innovation or creativity to think outside the box and say, you know what? We're not going to follow this job ad today. Let's interview people who have no qualifications. Let's see if they can really come in, give them a try for one day. Let's see if they can really do what we're saying. And you can't train attitude. In an interview, you may not see somebody's attitude. In an interview, sometimes you have a lot of actors and actresses. People can come and fool the interviewers and make them think, you know, I am really qualified for this job. Give me the job. They can rehearse lines on what to say. And then when they get into the job, you realize it's a misfit. That why did we hire this person? They have the worst attitude. They can't work in a team. They are disrespectful to superiors. But yet, we hire them. And with these wildcard candidates in your interview process, if you assess behaviors, assess behavioral competencies, give them different situations that show you how they would react in situations, and you realize that... For me, personally, I would rather hire somebody who has a great attitude, willing to learn and be respectful and work in a team rather than hire somebody who has a doctorate, who does not have a good attitude, or who cannot work on a team. Because who can work with a team? Who can be trainable? And that is ideally the goal everyone should look at. Um, there may be some really qualified candidates academically who can do both. But 
at the same time, you should never write off somebody who does not have the academic qualifications. Because if you give those persons a real chance in the organization, they'll surprise you. Listen, you, you have my pause raised. You're, you're bringing <laughs> me to tears. You have, a, you have a, a sense of bewilderment right now because coming from you, Ms. Samro, as a vice president of such a large conglomerate all over the world, I am so pleased to hear you bring us a very fresh perspective on this i always say there are two there, there are two types of people you know you can't really negotiate and have conversations with one are the super intelligent you see those who have a lot of phds and all the letters behind the name you can't talk to them they feel they know everything so they're not open to nothing and then there are those that have nothing at all they feel everything you tell them is out out of their ignorance of not knowing they feel it's an argument and they're forced to always defend themselves. So you can't negotiate, you can't reason with them. And then there are those right in the middle. Like my good self. You're <laughs> right there. And I must say, that wildcard initiative, I mean, how were you able to convince the EVPs of the company that this is uh, something that they should look at? Yeah, I think um, we believe our slogan is everyone deserves opportunities. EDO, Eldorado Offshore. Did you rehearse this thing? Because you're just saying everything that, <laughs> no. you know, you're just taking off all my boxes right now. Did you rehearse? <laughs> when you walk out of here, you're going to just be like, I just said that. Yeah. Come on, you can't yeah. pinch myself. This from, you for real? <laughs> so how did they take it? How did they take it? They were actually really open to it because they themselves have been wildcards. Oh my and, gosh. Um, yeah. Sometimes if you don't allow a person a chance, I mean, when I, I go to different schools, I give motivational speeches, I lecture students in Guyana, and the first thing they ask is, you know, Saruna, how do we get our start if nobody's hiring people with no job experience? Oh gosh, you know, again, you rehearsed this because yeah. I was coming to ask you, every job on the market, especially in offshore and oil and gas sector, they're asking you for five years experience, three years, and they ask, how do you get these experience without a wildcard candidate? They have to start somewhere. Somewhere. And, and that's where we have internship programs. Uh, we hire interns straight out of university and we give them a shot at it. And, and to advise young persons who are looking for those jobs as well. Um, it's not just about submitting a resume. In the modern world, there are a lot of conferences and networking events where you can show up to those, network mm. with industry experts, um, learn soft skills like interacting with them, emotional mm. intelligence, managing conflict, show up to those company events, their CSR initiatives, get to know who the leaders are. And that is how you really put yourself out there to promote yourself and make yourself marketable for possible job opportunities. And that is how you become a wildcard yourself because even though you may not have the experience for a job, because you show up consistently and these people see you around conferences, you take a real interest in coming to visit their booth. You take a real interest in reaching out to them on LinkedIn to ask about the company and if there's any opportunities. They pay attention. At least I pay attention. That's good. And, and that is how you are able to differentiate, you know, culturally in the organization, what are the type of people we want? Because you can train somebody with a good attitude and anything, but you cannot untrain somebody from an attitude that they are coming with and the experienced person sometimes they are coming with their experiences their previous attitudes so it's difficult to retrain or retool persons that way so it's important to give those wildcard candidates a chance by really having that behavioral competence in interviews where you assess behaviors and attitudes because what makes a company successful is yes, you can have the right talent, but if that talent has your wrong attitude, your company is not going to go anywhere. Exactly. You need the teamwork, Correct. collaborative effort coming from every employee. So then here's my question to you. Companies that suffer with a high employee turnover, right? They see it as a good thing. Time and time again, we look at certain uh, corporate companies in Trinidad. I'm not going to call names, but there are certain companies in Trinidad. Every time you touch in there, 
it's a different face you see ever so often. So that's a high employee turnover. How do you, what strategies can companies implement to create an environment where they, they sustain employees, they keep a sustained environment where employees feel comfortable? Because some people believe a high employee turnover is a good thing. And I say to them, no, it's not. Because you yeah. do not have um, what you call loyalty. It's on your, on your board. You have a new face in your, in your CSR department. You have somebody, somebody gone. Then do you even think about why people leave your company to begin with? So then let's talk about strategies that companies can implement to keep employees. Yeah, and it starts with empowerment and it starts with honesty. Uh, if you don't provide training opportunities or growth opportunities or fair compensation to your employees, you will lose them. And it's about mutual respect as well. Um, I think uh, employees generally, they like to know what their future plans are for the company. Mm -hmm. But if you don't outline that plan for them, then they feel lost. And I always say, people don't leave companies, people leave managers. If it is a company has a high turnover rate, you need to check the leadership of the company and check the management team to see why are these people running from the company? Is it that they're running because of the work or are they running because of the managers delegating that work to them? You know, one thing I, I learned from uh, a corporate entity this, this morning uh, on my way here, I was speaking to some former colleagues at a big company that I worked at. And then one day they just got up and after almost 20 years, you know, we was on the breadline. And they say they will never, even <coughs> if they, they win it in the industrial court, they will never return to the company because they were slave masters. While at that point in time, it was a prestigious thing to wear that little logo with the two arrows, that nice logo. Yeah, it was that prestigious thing then. It's no longer, it no longer has the prestige for employees anymore. So even if we get an opportunity to go back, I said to them, I will never go back. Yeah, and, and it's and exactly what you're saying. So a lot of people from different walks of life, different companies come to me and, and they feel like the modern workplace culture has changed. Mm -hmm. And probably because of the COVID-19 pandemic effects where when people worked from home, mm -hmm. they felt like there wasn't a cutoff time with work where their laptops would be right there. They will just jump on at 10 p.m., check and, emails. And, 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 yeah. and they weren't able to establish boundaries. And, and that raises the question, um, how is it then that you are going to look at your employee turnover and mm. have a hard conversation with yourself to determine what caused this what is the root cause of this and one common theme that emerged is people feel that the reward for good work is more work and i've been trying to change that culture in my company where we say the reward for good work should not just be more work it should be coupled with fair compensation well said because uh i last year alone um the i think coming down to the end of last year there was a huge disruptive leadership conference taking place at the hilton hotel and freedom 106.5 fm we were there and one of the things i learned is that when an employee walks away from your company and bid you farewell and you don't have the cost to dismiss that employee you should continuously be in contact with that employee now uh, allow them to go because but find out why was it the salary let them have that honest hard conversation and don't be prideful and say well that's my company i i, I delimit you fear you want to go big up yourself allow that that employee to return to you if need be yeah. because they would yeah. you would learn and I think um, exactly what you're saying, the feedback that comes from those employees when they decide to leave, the exit interviews need to happen. Yes. But oftentimes, the gap there is that when the exit interviews do happen, nothing happens after that. No, because we'd be better. Yeah. And they, they don't want to take corrective action against the persons who may have been 
highlighted in the exit interview as the reasons why these people are leaving or they don't want to take criticism constructively about why this person is leaving if the processes were too tedious to work with if they were overworked or if the working hours were, were not uh, facilitating their personal life and i think it's important that in the exit interview you hr professionals should clearly outline a plan what happens after the exit interview that's a whole entirely different process it, is, it, it shouldn't is. just be full stop after the exit interview we did our part the employee is gone here's the exit interview file it in a cabinet with a thousand other files and leave it there it should be proactive corrective action taken place to ensure that we learn from the exit interview and i love to hear constructive criticism because that is when i am able to really maximize key touch points of my business to know where we are failing and to pay attention to it to ensure that we fix it so we don't fail again and some people are not open to hearing that sort of constructive criticism they turn their ears off to it they turn their minds off to it and they only want to hear the good things but for me i welcome hearing the bad things as well because when i hear the bad things is that's when i know we have outliers here we need to pay attention to this before it becomes a spiraling issue before our company reputation is tarnished we need to do better you know let's talk about um management um, action and things that employees highlight. How important it is for superiors to action those things that were in a meeting. For example, you know, we sat, we have a meeting and you're forcing, I don't want to use the word force, but you ask employees to participate in this meeting and when they give you their heartfelt um, answers or suggestions, it goes in a file cabinet among other files and then we don't hear it again and then we come back our next meeting and we want suggestions again and then our employees go silent so we find ourselves anybody have anything any questions you know let's talk about the importance of action and things that are suggested by employees it's of paramount importance because if it is you don't action it then it erodes trust immediately with the team well said. and they feel that okay if you ask me if I want my opinion I take time to give it to you I, I tell you exactly what is bothering me what my grievance is and then you do nothing with it so it makes no sense I come to you I can just keep it bottled in or choose a different forum to express it and that's where you see companies where on social media when people go and they vent on their company pages and they complain and have grievances people are say well why are these people complaining but they have no other forum to express it they can't because even if they do the, the, the powers that be is not action in these things and then Outside of just venting the grievances, what you tend to find happening, I'm a work to rule. I'm a work to rule, right? I come to work, I do my job, and I'm done, I'm gone, because that's payment for what I come to do. I check my job, my job descriptive, this is what it says I need to do when I get here, bop, bop, bop. And guess what? There are companies penalizing you because you didn't go the extra mile, or you wasn't um, willing to assist a, a, an extra half hour. Or maybe 45 minutes because another employee is running late but they fail to see that when we have concerns yeah. when employees have concerns you know um they, they they don't hear it and they just toss it away it's like they're not cognizant of what you're thinking one texter is saying hi davy um a key to employee relations in this train and develop people well enough so they um they can leave but treat them well enough that they don't want to leave yeah, it's a Richard Branson quote, and it's something I live by as well. Wow. If you... <laughs> <laughs> Pythagoras, you're different people quote no, by. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, but it's a popular quote that I think, um, mm. you know, once you treat people well, they will go the extra mile for you. But I think it goes back to what I was saying when um, the reward for good work should not just be more work, but fair compensation. Mm -hmm. um, because if you 
you compensate people. You know, there's this there's this meme I saw online, mm. and it was you don't pay me for the ten minutes I took to do do the job. You pay me for the ten years I learned to do the job in ten minutes, and. Once you begin to understand the value people add to your company, you find different ways to appreciate them, to reward and recognize them. But the reason why uh, people become disgruntled or people want to leave companies, apart from leaving their managers, it's oftentimes because they feel like their inputs don't match the outputs. And that is where um, the minute you feel unappreciated or undervalued, there's another company paying attention to you who wants your expertise and who wants to value you and who wants to treat you well. And people are recognizing that. You know, we live in a world where through social media, you can get in contact with anybody mm-hmm. through professional networks on LinkedIn. By mm-hmm. one click, you meet the VP of another company. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm looking for a job opportunity. What do you have for me? Let's start talking. And a job opportunity arises. So the minute companies start taking employees for granted is the fastest way they'll lose them. Well, then let me ask you a question as you, as you talk about VPs and, and LinkedIn. How often a VP will respond to a message like you know hey I, I, i'm interested in a company etc etc i mean i'm not talking about no messages that is coming across like a but i'm talking somebody that is speaking to you proper with respect and professionalism as a vp yourself do you pay attention to these things personally i do uh anybody who reaches out to me on whatsapp if they get my number or call me i return the call even if i miss it on linkedin i respond to every message and uh, for persons who've you. reached out to me, they can, they can attest to that. What helps is what you what value you say you can add. Obviously, if you just reach out and say, hey, I'm looking for a job, how can you help me? It may not be taken seriously because there are hundreds of requests that may come in like that. But if you really tell a person, look, I've been paying attention to your company. I saw in the media, you all did this, you all executed this. I want to be part of that vision. I want to help you grow your company just as you are saying. I want, I have this value, I have this expertise that I can contribute. And that is how you basically market yourself and sell yourself to you, get the VP to pay attention. To pay attention. I, I used to always tell um, um, young broadcasters that want to get into radio, Think about the radio station that you want to go after or, or get a job with and start listening to that station. <coughs> Pay yep. attention to the various announcers, the various shifts that they have. What is their mandate? What type of music do they play? Then pattern yourself with someone. Align yourself with someone before you find your true identity on air. So I would align myself with a particular announcer that would have executed on air. I would have paid attention to a particular news presenter. So when I became a news presenter, I started patterning that person until I find my I found my own identity. And it's the same thing you're saying. If you are going for a job or you have an interest in Eldorado Offshore, you can't just say that. What do you know about Eldorado Offshore? Do you know right. when we started? And I'll be honest and tell you, uh, recently at every energy conference we go to... Um there were a couple students in a certain department in UE. Mm-hmm. Every time we go to the conference, they would come to our booth and they would get to meet us and they would say, we saw on social media, you all did this, congratulations. Or we saw on social media, you all are looking for these positions. Could we fit in? And by seeing them at those conferences, I don't know them personally, but I got to assess their attitudes and their behaviors. And then I said, you know what? You all can send me a resume. And we had some internship vacancies. I sent it to the HR team and I say, I met these persons at a conference. They have the right attitude for our organizational culture. If an opportunity arises in the internship field, perhaps we can give them a chance to see if they can cope. And and that is is how you get ahead. This is how you get ahead in the modern workplace. You have to network. Networking is essentially important. If you just send your resume out on email, chances are it goes in a filing cabinet nobody sees it but if you network people get to know you people get to see your attitudes and your behaviors and how you carry yourself well i will tell you a secret eh? (coughs) 
Um, I'm, I'm, am I over time with you? No, no, please. <laughs> I just want to wrap up with you really quickly. <laughs> I was looking for a job some years ago, back in 2009. Uh, 2000, sorry. Back in the year 2000. I remember picking up my resume one morning. I called my uncle and I asked him, I said, who is the um, recruitment manager of this particular company that I worked for for so many years? And he gave me a name and he said, this is where the person is located, this is where the office is. And I remember driving the vehicle and parking up and going into the office. And long story short, I sat there for two and a half hours for a meeting that lasted seven minutes. The guy came in and he was like, oh, gosh, Mr. Murray, come, come. I'm so long you're here. Um, how can I help? You know, uh, sorry to have you waiting so long. I said, well, I'm looking for a job, sir. I'm here. I've been trying all, all morning and I came here and I was recommended to you and I'm trying. He said, um, I said, I submitted a resume many times and there's nothing. He showed me three boxes on the floor. He said, well, your resume is somewhere in there, you know. Um, but I will have to go through, but give me a name. Mm -hmm. And I said, sir, I can do better than that. And I gave him a copy. Yeah. So I came prepared and he told me after looking at it and watching my attitude, he said, I'll give you a call. I'll give you a call. And I said, sir, I said, sir, don't mama guy me. If you're not going to call me, I would prefer you tell me, no, let me, let me not go with high hopes. You know, he said, listen, if I tell you, I'm going to call you. I'm going to yeah. call you. You came here prepared. I will give you a call. Three days later, I got a call for an yeah. interview. Three days following that, there was orientation and I was given a three-month contract that lasted 18 or 19 years at the company wow, with permanency. So, I understand the importance of being in the right place at the right time, but also being prepared. Correct. And I think that's what, as a takeaway message, I want people to be aware of and be cognizant of anything. Be prepared. I once said to someone, just over the carnival season here, I got the opportunity to do something that I never thought I would have gotten to do. I, I, I co-hosted the Dimash Grass show. But it was opportunity and me humbling myself and say, hi, my name is. Yeah. I yeah. am. So some people just sit down there and wait for the opportunity to fall in the Correct. lap. I will see Mr. Opportunity walking or Miss Opportunity walking and I will come across and make my introduction. Correct. Because sometimes this is the bold move in the modern world that we need to do. Had I not yeah. get up and express my desire to one day, you know, be a part of a show like this and host on a stage like this. The opportunity would have been right there, but I waiting for you to come on my lap. So we pray and asking God, give us this job. Please <laughs> help me to get a job. But then we sit on watching TV whole day. Correct. We went gone by our papers. We went open Correct. to check on the Google to see what's available so that God can direct our eyes to see something. You know, but we just waiting for God to just make the VP come and knock my door. Um, yeah. Hi, my name is Simona. Um, Samaru, I would like to give you a job. <laughs> oh my gosh, God is good. <laughs> I mean, I'm only being comical, yeah, but yeah, the thing yeah. about it is, the takeaway is like, listen, reach out. <clears throat> Mr. Simona is telling us, reach out. Be prepared, but reach out. Yeah. You know, show your interest. Do your homework. Yeah, and just to, to give my advice to, to those listening, mm -hmm. um, lean into agility and ambiguity. And... Mm -hmm pivot and adapt and don't be afraid to miss your shot and be prepared as you said so when that shot comes back again you are prepared to take it listen i if i t i will tell you off here what happened <laughs> but trust me it was epic davy uh exit interview is always for upper management for upper management to conduct um so ideally the hr team should take lead in the exit interview it depends on the setup and structure of the of the companies mm -hmm. but um i think what what is probably trying to allude to if i'm correct is it, when upper management does the exit interview oftentimes they feel that it stops there where if if there's criticism expressed against upper management or a grievance mm -hmm. against them 
how can the guards guard themselves? Mm. How can the guards punish themselves? And I think that is where uh, companies need to have that independent HR team where uh, HR should be seen as not just advocates for employees but strategists for employers and to have that balance where there's transparency and, and there's a safe forum that employees can express their grievances mm, and where it can be uh, fairly addressed and, and actively addressed. I am very proud of you as a Trinidadian. Thank you. I'm, I'm proud to be Trinidadian. I'm proud as to where you, are, you have taken yourself. I mean, international markets are recognizing you. I am very, very proud of you. Job, listen, I'm beaming with pride right now. <laughs> Thank to you. To say that I had the opportunity to interview you and speak with you here this afternoon. I mean, we were all talking again. We had a <laughs> I nice... I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah I'm not thinking about that, Brad, and Connect. Well, it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I'm thinking about trying to taste it. I don't know if I would do that. Seeing that Miss Simona is doing it. Miss Saruna, is it Saruna? Saruna, 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 yes. Saruna Samaru is doing it. I want to say congratulations to you and all the best in the future. And of course, don't be a stranger whenever you're in Trinidad again because I know you travel a lot feel free to touch it and say Davey here's what I'm coming on your show I want to tell you some of the things that's happening in, in whatever company you are Yeah. right yeah. now it's Eldorado yeah. but people going to be watching you Yeah, definitely. you, you at energy conferences and people going to be watching <laughs> who is this woman boy who is her check that woman and as fast as you become on the market they're going to snag you Yeah. they're going to snag you thank you so much thank for you passing for having through. me you're welcome the best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio, Freedom 106.5.